0: Welcome to the Almost 30 podcast. I'm Lindsay and I'm Krista, and we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age, it's about the feeling. All of us are almost something. Seeking community and resources to
1: support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Hattie and welcome. Hattie, and w- Hattie and welcome Almost dude, Thirty podcast. Holding your own mic. This is a new level of I like it. Being professional podcaster. I like it. <laughs> no, it's nice to have the pillow. It's nice. You have to have I the feel pillow. in control.
0: So we're on the move. So normally we record at our studio in Los Angeles that we've been at for a long time. Lindsay lives in Brooklyn. She'll record in New York sometimes. And this week we've met in Austin. We're going to do a members meetup. So Almost Thirty has a membership that's really really beautiful. We bring through some of the best healers, teachers, and leaders to work with our community. We work very intimately with our community. So we're doing a meetup in Austin, which is awesome. And then we're recording with some amazing guests. Yeah. Austin is a little
1: mecca. Mecca, mecca right now. It's a mecca. But it's bordering on for me. I'm like, okay, when is it going to get fucking corny I know. (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) It's the funniest thing in the whole world. So- this was years ago. I think in 2020, I was like thinking about moving to Austin. I was like, I'm going to move to Austin. And I think I said something in our Facebook group when we used to have the Facebook group pop in. I was like, I'm thinking about moving to Austin. And there was a girl from Austin that did the eye roll emoji. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and
0: I said, do you have something you want to say? Pardon? And she's like, everyone's just moving to Austin right now. I was like, you know this is my group, right? You know. Like, dude, it was so fucking funny, but I think about Respect that. Me. Just like the boldness. She's like, "I roll." <laughs> I'm speaking at an event at the end of the month in yeah. Austin. And the people that are facilitating the event, they were like, "Oh, I thought you lived here."
1: And I was like, "No." You could totally. I feel like you could pass as an Austinite, but you're so I need to be more ripped. I'm a little too soft. Yeah, I feel like
0: everyone here is like 0% well, body fat. But what we
1: see, so we're seeing a lot of, yeah, kind of the burners, like the yes. Burning Man people here in Austin on Instagram who are totally on tea and 100%. like- whatever 100%. Whatever else. Peptides. Peptides. In I'm like, 10. 0% body fat. 0% body yeah. fat. It's definitely like AI generated people. Yeah. Fun to look at. It's amazing. Yeah. We love and respect every (laughs) single one of them,
0: It's true. to be completely honest. Yeah, it's very true. Today, I'm really excited. We have Sa de Simone on the pod, which is so much fun. I recently was on his show, Spiritually Sassy, talking about my darkness retreat. Mm. And it was fun because Sa and I got to really break down just like the illusions we had about each other or the ideas we had about each other. So a lot of you might have the experience where you meet someone and at first you're like, I don't know, man. This doesn't feel like a fit, doesn't feel like a vibrational match. And I think when we first met years ago, I think it was at a friend's birthday dinner, respected and loved, but like just wasn't like a match at that time. And it's been really beautiful to re-meet in this time where he's going through a lot of grief with the loss Mm -hmm. of his mother. I'm going through a different grief process at the end of my marriage. And just to come together in more authenticity than I think we were really at before. And I also realized too, any projections that I had about him were probably related to him being so expressed online yeah. and me wanting to find a way to feel more expressed online where I can share very deeply and vulnerably and all that kind of stuff, like the emo writing, whatever. But I can't, I feel like it's hard for me to bring through a lot of joy mm. in the way that he does. So I probably had a little bit of shadow where I was like, oh, I wish I could bring through joy like
1: that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like I remember seeing him online and. I think too, I didn't have like a particular thing, but it was more so like knowing that he's also a person beyond that. Yeah. It's like sometimes when there's such a personality yeah, or like a performative thing, yeah. it's hard for me because I'm like, I know there's so much heart. heart there. Yeah, so much heart. And it's really beautiful. Saw does a lot of work with the community. Mm-hmm. Every Friday,
0: Saw works with the Home Insecure in Venice and works with homeless youth. And yeah, I was just like, wow, I really respect that when people can actually be in the work. And it was great. Like our conversation was so much fun because we got to really drop down on some of the topics that I've been really jamming on, which is about how we overcomplicate so much of the spiritual space and so much of the work and just how now a lot of the language has crept into popular culture and now people are applying language where it doesn't need to be applied and over- pathologizing and over-therapizing everything, and yes. we're really losing sight of what truly matters or what should truly matter. What's an example of like- oh Boundaries. Yeah. People are really overusing boundaries, and they're not really understanding how within relationship they should be a little bit more flexible and porous, yeah. and that if you have your own energetic sovereignty, you can-
1: actually exude and embody a boundary rather than saying this is a boundary. It's funny, like when you say the word boundaries, it feels so old to me. Same. I'm like, oh, this is such an old word. But then I'm like, I have to remember that also some people are just finding out about boundaries in therapy and now they have boundaries and they're Mm -hmm. talking about boundaries. I'm like, oh, there's a point at which, to your point, there's more of an integrated approach and embodiment of it. I don't know if everyone gets there. They really like, I feel like people get hard on boundaries. Oh, they get fucking. They're like, mom, I have a boundary.
0: Boundary with <laughs> this. They're like, you're emailing me past seven. This is a
1: boundary uh-huh. that I have. But I also it's wonder. It's very reactionary. It's very like electric fence vibes. Yes. And it ke- it's like a stiff arm. Yeah, It keeps people at a distance when really in my understanding of a boundary now is actually like a healthy way to relate to someone. Yes rather than let me create distance between us because you're triggering me. Yep. Yep. I think what's
0: happening is people are creating boundaries, but they're actually trying to control other people when really it should be like, this is how I want you to be with me. This is how I want you to be with me instead of this is how I want you to be. So it's like, you can't do this thing. I have a boundary. So it's actually putting it on the other person to not engage with them in a specific way. But it really should just be like I'm communicating a need or desire to you about how you can actually be with me to feel more intimate with me. Yeah. And I've realized over time that the most powerful people that I know have amazing, pristine boundaries, but they don't need to say them. Yeah. I can think about my dear friend, Debbie. That bitch has the best boundaries of anybody that I know and it's not spoken. Mm -hmm. It's a self-worth so great that you... Can only respond in a way of matching the respect that she has for herself,
1: yeah you know and there's a presence that I think is required too, where there's the self worth the self respect and the presence in the moment, yeah, where you're not reactionary to what's happening, you're actually understanding that it's like not in alignment with the how you feel about yourself, and so you energetically, there's like a hygiene that happens where you're like, oh yeah, this is actually not where I'm supposed to be or yeah, I'm not available for that, which I think takes so much practice. And dude, when you master it, it's yeah. just, mm-hmm. I, my thing is like with certain people, I can be like this, but I, it's not across the board.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think of where my boundaries could be a little, because I'm not saying that I'm perfect with boundaries because I definitely, I have some leaky things right now that could use better boundaries. But also the parts of my life that feel on paper for other people probably a little sus boundary-wise, whether it's with my ex-partner or whatever, I just have to be in right relationship with whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So if I'm feeling uncomfortable with the way things are, then that needs to be addressed. But if I'm coming to an integrity with myself, oh, this is the way it is, it's okay, we could move and shift and shake, then that's really – what's most important. But yeah, we got to jam on that and really the process of how can we really be with how we feel, be with who we are, where we are, and being more present to what we're feeling and our emotions and really allowing it to move through our body. In Saw's work, it really is about having tea with the demons, having facing those parts of you, the shadow parts of you, and really learning to love and integrate those parts of you. So I really appreciate his work because it is not, you know, super out there. It's not the super galactic. It's the very earthbound, Mm. 3D focused, grounded view of how we can really learn to love ourselves and embody the truest nature of who we are.
1: And I think in what I'm seeing kind of at a high level with like the healing space and self-development is like, this need to tackle it now and do it almost like fast and furious. And what I've seen in his work is that there is like a reverence for like the, what might feel like a stall or a stuckness or like just a messiness that actually is probably the most important part for you to be present for. And it might take a bit. I think people get instant gratification with most things that they interact with or instant like validation. And I think so much and even just like writing the book has like taught this to me. A lot of things have been like slowing me down and I'm like, oh, wow, I say I want to slow down. But when I actually slow down and focus on something like healing work or self-development work, it's like very uncomfortable. It's like, no, we want to get to the other side so we can keep it moving. But his work is so beautiful and the embodiment of that period and not wishing it away. Yeah, I'm excited for you to listen because I think this
0: will give you a different perspective on healing and the healing space and the process of supporting yourself through grief and trauma. And Saw is really someone that does a lot of trauma informed spirituality. He's an artist, he's an author, he's creator of the Somatic Activated Healing Method. He has Spiritually Sassy, the podcast which I was on that I mentioned. He's doing a retreat in Ibiza in November. I'm doing one in October, the yeah. same spot, Six Senses So We're both doing beautiful retreats in Ibiza later in the year, which is going to be so nice. So also just noting that I have my retreat happening in Ibiza for empaths. It's called the True Essence Retreat. And it's really about coming to the wholeness, to the truest version of you through Mm. internal family systems, energetic work, empath work. We might do some archetype work with tarot, but it's going to be really, really powerful. So it's com for mm. that.
1: It's I-T-S-K or I-S-T-A. I've had so many people reach out about the retreat, about just wanting to be in a beautiful retreat type setting. Like people are seeking and I think people are ready. People are ready to travel. People are ready to be in community and be in these more focused places where they can actually safely and be supported in doing this type of work. Yeah. So, yeah. And Ibiza
0: is like such a powerful place. It's such a beautiful, feminine, spiritual place that I've felt better than I've felt most places in the world. It is one of the most heart-centered, kind, ooey-gooey, just beautiful places. And so to have that met with the Six Senses vibe, which is beautiful, amazing, healthy food, this like gorgeous aesthetic right on the water. That's the thing is for this retreat, I wanted it to be up to my standards like the way that I travel is so luxurious and gorgeous that's how I spend my money that's how I spend my time that's one of my biggest priorities so bringing that experience through to people had to happen and I didn't want to do it at any place that didn't feel like it was up to my standards of a place that I would want to go and spend my time and spend just every all the money that we work so hard to earn so I'm really looking forward to this the true essence retreat and Saz is going to be a little bit later, so hopefully we can reconnect in a Ibiza, which will be nice. So guys, enjoy this one. If you're new to Almost 30, welcome. I'm so grateful you're here. We do podcasts every week on spirituality, health, and wellness. We have over 600 episodes. We are people that really love to be curious about life and keep an open mind about everything. So Sa Simone, it's S-A-H-D-S-I-M-O-N-E on Instagram, and then it's Simone.com. Thank you so much, Sa. It was such a beautiful time with you. I'm so grateful to be in your orbit. And I love you guys. Love you guys. We'll see you on the other side. See you soon.
1: Okay, small daily actions. Ah, they just make a big difference. And I just cannot emphasize this enough. It creates this cascade effect and honestly a snowball effect. (laughs) So one begets the next really great positive small action, but it almost has like a bigger impact as the day, as the week goes on. Um, And I'm just someone who very much believes in this, whether you're like smiling at a stranger, or maybe you wake up a little bit earlier to practice your meditation, or maybe read part of the book that you're loving. Uh, or maybe you integrate a healthy habit, like taking a probiotic, which is something that I've been doing for a few years now. I've been taking seeds DSO one daily symbiotic and I love it. And I've just noticed that this is the catalyst at the beginning of the day for a ton of healthy choices that I make. Um, and I've noticed a difference when I don't shipping to your door to when you put it in your body all the way through your GI tract, um, all without synthetic or chemical coatings. Um, and this was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics in the microbiome. They are the best in the space. And um, So I just, I trust them and I've experienced incredible results. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash almost and use the code 25almost to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash almost. The code is 25almost. As our listener, you are going to get a discount plus a free thermometer, baby. Use code ALMOST30 at naturalcycles.com to get 15% off an annual subscription plus a free thermometer. That's naturalcycles.com. You're going to use the code ALMOST30 to get 15% off an annual membership and a free thermometer.
2: I wanted to show this person my gorgeous view. <laughs> And show her my chicken salad sandwich or some (laughs) shit that I was eating that was, like, spectacular. Mm -hmm. And she would get it. Like
0: the mundane. Exactly. Mm -hmm. She would be
2: someone that I could go for both the extraordinary and also the ordinary. She was always there, always available. Yeah. My mom was the fucking bomb. Mm -hmm. She was it. She was true love. And, yeah, so losing her, it's, it's been like learning how to walk without a leg. Yeah. And I think Anne Lamott, the mystic, the poet, she speaks about that too. So I'm learning about like how to live without mom. And it's. I've already cried today. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And. I've already cried today, and I also did something that I never fucking do. What? Which is complain about a business or someone. Mm-hmm. I always just, like, eat it up. Yeah. I always just do my self-work. Like, yeah. what is it
0: saying about a me? A hundred percent. And what then you bypass everything. Yeah. What can That's, I learn yeah.
2: about me through this process? Unfortunately, through that process, I'm actually not truly helping someone else learn yeah. about their shadow.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I go to yoga class this morning, hot yoga. And we're in Shavasana. So we're a minute 57 of the clock, right? <laughs> yes. Literally. And I lay there and I was like, oh, I'm getting hit by a wave of the grief. Mm-hmm. I start myself, feel like I'm going to start sobbing. And it's an interesting thing to be popular on the wellness space, right? Because mm-hmm. everywhere I go, I always have someone recognizing me. Everything that's wellness related, mm-hmm. someone's always like, I love you. Thank you for mm-hmm. touching me with your work. You've helped me so much. Mm-hmm. Da, da. And it's always so moving. And also through the grief process, mm-hmm. When I'm going to a yoga class in my neighborhood that I'm like there to sit with Mm -hmm. like the hardest thing that's ever happened to me in my Mm -hmm. life. Like I need a little bit of space, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel the wailing and the sobbing and the uh, coming on. And I was like, okay, cool. It's going to be an ugly cry moment. So I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do this in front of everybody. I'm going to give myself a private moment. I've given enough for the world to see me ugly crying and all this shit happening, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm walking off the class. And I see the yoga teacher literally marching to the door. And I was like, oh, maybe she's coming to open the door. for me <laughs> yes. Shit, little did I know this bitch was about to, like, fry my ass. She was like, you can't leave during Shavasana. And she said it with such a tone, the little queer brown boy in mm-hmm. me that's been, like, systemically, historically oppressed mm-hmm. by, like, white people. I was like, hmm. and I look at her. And the sassy queen came out and I said, wow, what a great way to leave a yoga class She looked at me with his face. And then she left back into the room. So guess what I did? I came home mm-hmm. and I wrote the fucking studio an email. I said, this is unacceptable. It's not trauma informed. Yeah. It's like, do you even know what yoga is? Mm-hmm. And I did that. And I was like, I talked to my boyfriend, talked to my sister. Should I even email the studio and tell them about that? But I said, you know what? I never do this. Mm-hmm. Like I go get my eyebrows waxed and someone like cuts up pieces of my fucking face. <laughs> You're like, it's all and I go <laughs> get my face shaved and like there's three cuts. And I always just like, you know, 25% yes. tip, 30% tip. I honestly, I obey by a law of generosity. Yeah. But I've also been missing these opportunities mm-hmm. to like call people into their truth. Yeah. Call people into the light. Call mm-hmm. people into meeting their darkness. Mm-hmm. So today I did it. And it's because of the no tolerance rule that I'm operating under now because of my mom's death.
0: And it's also, you know, because in her situation, it's like, what about her was triggered that people weren't following the rules of what she perceived it should be? And yoga is about flow, it's about meeting people where they are, it's about their process. I was at Savannah with Sahara, and we did an ecstatic dance class, and we were just being fucking silly and wild and crazy. And this woman like walked up to the teacher and she's like, this is not ecstatic dance and left because we were not ecstatic dancing. And I'm like, we've got it all wrong, honey. This is all wrong, like the seriousness. But it's really powerful what you're saying, because I do feel like I'm curious about that edge of where we've all been like, this is about you. This is about you. And then we bypass so much of how we feel. Mm -hmm. And I feel I catch myself talking where I'll say something and I'm like, I know that basically means that it's a mirror for me, blah, blah, blah. I negate everything I believe and feel in that moment by saying that. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you've done that a lot in your life and now you're kind of coming to the point where you don't want to do that? How has that shown up for you?
2: That's such a great question. I think that's kind of the mystery of karma, right? It's not black and white. It's very mysterious. It's not linear yes, everything is a mirror Mm -hmm. and everything is your perception. And also Mm -hmm. it's always a two-way street. We don't exist from our own side. Mm -hmm. We don't exist independently of others. We are relationship. We are Mm -hmm. relational beings. And that's not just because I want to be your friend and I want to belong Mm -hmm. and I want to be part of a group and I want to have a partner, whatever. It's the relational aspect of it shows up in this need for connection, Mm -hmm. physical, biological, but I'm actually talking about the relational aspect that our minds are wired, our emotions are wired. Mm -hmm. I think, yes, we can always learn from every little experience. And yes, everything is showing us a part of our minds. And sometimes a bitch better fucking be told Mm -hmm. that she can't come for someone who Mm -hmm. is in a deep grief process. Mm -hmm. She's not trauma-informed. And what I mean by she didn't open the door and look at my literally teary eyes Mm -hmm. and my quivering lips Mm -hmm. and actually see that I was like trembling and barely picking myself up to walk out of that room. Where's your tumbling form? Where's your empathy? Where is the empathy that is the gateway to compassion in that moment? You didn't lift your hand to say, Hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Hey, by the way, my dear, we really have people walking out during Mm -hmm. Shavasana because it disrupts the class. I hope, he, first of all, maybe a trauma-informed care would be, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. You're leaving the last few minutes like nothing. She mm-hmm. just came at me with this authoritative thing that I see a lot in this sort of spiritual wellness space yeah. of like, I'm now empowered. I get to tell you <laughs> how I feel and I need to be heard. Yes. I, I need to be heard. My, my truth, heard. my truth, my
0: truth. My truth. This is my truth. Oh my god! Exactly. This is and my exactly. truth. Boundaries, god. this is a boundary I have. <laughs> my whole thing one of my best friends joey were laughing and he's talking about someone and he's like and then she said blah blah i was like then the bitch said this is a boundary and he's like yes i'm like i cannot with the overuse or the exact like people are not using boundaries in the right way people are saying this is a boundary to have their way in something or have it be a non-negotiable not a conversation yeah like yeah Yeah. first of all This episode's Fuck Boundaries. (laughs) Literally,
2: because I think people have used boundaries as a way to not get to know themselves. Yes. As a way to bypass their shadow, as a way to never invite their demons in for tea, as a way to stay locked up in their glass tower, and as a way to actually control and manipulate. I say to people, you can only claim a boundary once you've gotten to know yourself. If you're learning your boundaries through a podcast, through an Instagram, a TikTok, through your therapist, whatever it is, if someone outside is telling you what a boundary should be, then you're bypassing your whole shit. You're not looking inside to get to know what it is.
0: I mean, because I (laughs) completely agree. So what do you see people doing right now? And how could they work to really understand the boundaries that they personally have?
2: I think, first of all, like take an inventory of what triggers you. Yeah. It's layered, right? So getting to know our inner world and saying, I don't hang out with these people because I don't hang out with her or them or him or whatever, because they bring this up. They trigger me. And when they trigger me, I think about this and I feel like this. And when I feel and think about this, I say and do these things. Like before you set a boundary, think about the chain of events that take place inside of you when you're triggered. I feel this way. I think this way. Therefore, I speak about this and I act in this way. Cool. Take ownership. Take radical responsibility that those things, those feelings, those demons, that textured crunchiness, Mm -hmm. it's already inside of you. No one can put a seed of crunch inside of you. No one can put a seed of anger and hatred and despair and hopelessness and depression, blah, 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 blah. The list goes on inside of you. It's all your work. Mm -hmm. So boundaries have to be. 30 but flexible yes I think I always talk about them being like bamboo strong and powerful and weather resistant but also very flexible it it goes along for me with the whole space of like I'm an empath and that's my superpower yeah yeah And I have boundaries I'm an empath and boundaries they go so hand in hand which I think it's all ways of bypassing you getting to know your shit yeah getting to know yourself if you are wanting to set boundaries like see how your mom triggers you your partner your friends this thing, that thing. See how like all the triggers that take place and then take inventory. Okay, when that happens, this is what comes up for me. Okay, when that comes up for me, I do X, Y, and Z. Before you go off blaming them, realize that every seed that's in the garden of our inner world requires enough sunlight and enough water to sprout and come true and become a reality. And that person may be just showing you with a little bit of water to the seed that's inside of you, something that you're unwilling to look at. So thank you for triggering the fuck out of me. Mm -hmm. Instead of me saying, I won't do that, you're not getting to know your shit. And the entire purpose of healing is to meet your shadow. It's just to integrate the aspects of you. that To have more wholeness. Wholeness. Yeah, wholeness.
0: Mm -hmm. Control and its bypass. And like even example, there was a girl that messaged me the other day. She's in our space and I didn't reply for a few days or maybe even a week. I just, it kind of missed. And I then replied and she's like, oh, hey girl, like, no, I respect your boundary. I'm like, I just didn't reply. Like, what are you ta- like? Where's the world where we're like, this isn't a boundary. Yeah. It's like, yeah. no, I'm just, I, I'm taking a moment to reply. That's right. Or like, where are people using boundary as a form of controlling other? Where it's like, you know, this is a boundary because okay. the boundaries for me are the way I'm going to interact with you are going to change, not you are not forced to interact with me differently. Mm -hmm. I will change. So Mm -hmm. if I don't want to hang out past eight, I'm going to say, hey, you know, that doesn't feel good to hang out past eight, whatever that is, but I'm not asking you to change. And I think so many people want the world to change for them, but they don't want to change for the world. So they don't want to look at themselves. They don't want to understand themselves. They don't want to like really get to know what that is there. And now basically boundary is that word where I'm just like, we can't really use it anymore because it's so misused.
2: I'm so happy you're saying all this. I want to say this, just a little like side note. Yes. When we have been violated, assaulted, deeply hurt, all the capital T trauma experiences that really makes us feel like completely discombobulated, having boundaries to create a safe environment for you to find your center. For you to meet yourself again, for you to come back into your body, mm-hmm. then yes. Mm-hmm. If your boundaries are helping you to come back into your body, yes. But if your boundaries are yeah, keeping yeah. you in this like conceptual efforty thinking your way out of your suffering, then then no, girl, don't do it. It's yes. you're bypassing the true work. Yep. So if it's going to create the environment for safety where healing can happen, do it. And then at some point, you got to test. Okay, cool. I've had these boundaries. That means I'm not seeing this sort of outer boundaries, right? Not you having this kind of diligent Mm self-respect to stop certain behavior, right? That's a self-boundary. But the outer boundaries will be like, I don't hang out with these people. I don't see that person. I don't talk to these people when they say this. Like all the kind of outer boundaries that we see out in the world. Test your material. If you said no to all of this and you said, I can't do any of that because that's a boundary. And then you have gone into a place of self-reflection, of self-revelation, of embodiment. And you have actualized the things that you said, those boundaries would help you actualize then now test. Mm -hmm. Is it embodied? It can only be embodied in relationship. Mm -hmm. So you can't say I'm more compassionate, I'm kinder, more forgiving, I'm more patient. And then you go out to hang out with the people who triggered you in the past and you have no patience for them. Mm -hmm. You have no forgiveness for them. You have no kindness for them. So it's not embodied. It's very outside of the scope of being relational. And true healing is only when we can experience In a way that's beneficial for all people. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And I think for the empath thing, I think people use it as a way to like claim victim, to be like bad vibes, can't be around. I'm an empath. I feel bad vibes. Or I'm an empath. I need to have certain boundaries. And it's like, I am someone that is a deep feeler, but I've really had to understand like the subtle nuances of energetics. Mm to really understand what I was saying Mm -hmm. or understand what was going on. As humans, we all are impacted by energy. All of us are, I think we have varying degrees, but I do feel like a lot of words in the space just get overused and it just becomes something that is such a bummer for me. Cause then I'm like, oh, I never want to say that again. Mm -hmm. You know, you just become over things. You're like, I'm done, I'm over it. But Mm -hmm. for people and they're bypassing, what would you say to them? Like, how can they recognize when they're bypassing? What are some signs?
2: when they're constantly blaming the world for how they feel. That's like the number one thing. If your entire vocabulary and your inner vocabulary, it's mm-hmm. all about blaming the world, then you're massively bypassing, mm-hmm. looking inside. Let every experience be the gateway for you to get to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. Well, before we got on the record, we were saying mm-hmm. like, sometimes I just want to sit around and eat the fucking cookie and just watch four just, episodes yes. of whatever the fuck. Yes. You know, because we don't want to be like, In this constant state of self-revelation, it's exhausted to be a mystic, but it's the only thing I want to do. It's the only thing that helps me to come alive. Mm -hmm. And the empath thing too, I just want to say, it's important that we are recognizing that our empathy is not a superpower. Our empathy is a basic human quality. Now, mm-hmm. compassion is a superpower. Mm-hmm. You got to change your vocabulary there. To say you feel the feels of everybody and you go into a place and you feel the vibes, whatever, like, that's a basic human quality. That's not a superpower. Mm-hmm. However, there is varying degrees. Some people, they can feel the pain of someone that on the other side of the world. They can mm-hmm. feel the pain of the entire world. They can feel the pain of their neighborhood. They can feel the pain of they're having a dinner party and they can actually tune into every person. Like, there's varying degrees. Mm-hmm. However... If you call yourself a mystic, if you call yourself someone on the healing, the spiritual transformational path, it's important that you're always alchemizing, transmuting, having this capacity to feel the feelings of other people. Mm -hmm. And if it sticks, if it lingers in your system, it's because it's called forth your own shit. So that's when you Mm got to do the alchemical work. That's when you got to breathe, meditate, pray, chant, Mm -hmm. dance, do all the fucking things. So you can be like, oh, wow, me feeling. Their anxiety called my own anxiety. So therefore, I have to like work with my anxiety. And a lot of the times it's, oh my God, I don't want to be around any of these people because they're so anxious. They're so depressed. They're so this, they're so that. And so, no, what they're doing is calling you to meet a part of you that you're unwilling to name and be with and integrate. Mm-hmm. So that's the empath thing that we need to then utilize that to go into compassion. Compassion is two, two sides, self-compassion and auto-compassion or inner compassion, or outer compassion. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to do. It's like, if someone is, if you're picking up that they are in a spiral, if you're picking up that they are in a moment of dissociation, disconnected, not in their body, instead of you doing the thing that we do so often, punish people Mm -hmm. for not being in their bodies, punish people for not being present, punish people Mm -hmm. for multitasking their way through life, Mm -hmm. punish people for creating a trail of chaos. Instead of you doing that, you felt their anxiety, and now I feel my own anxiety. Yes, that's right see if you can in that same breath use your tools go into your spiritual fanny pack work through your own anxiety and in that same breath reach out how can i help this is where we draw the line between personal development and mysticism personal development and spirituality it's Personal development is very much about me, mind, I, boundaries, empath, get away from me. I I Mm -hmm. need to go into my own little glass tower to heal. Mm -hmm. Liberation work is like, okay, in the same breath or spiritual work, it's in the same breath. I'm feeling your pain. I'm noticing that you're discombobulated. I'm noticing that you're triggered. And that called forth my own triggers, that called forth my own discombobulation, my own crunchiness, okay, cool, I've got work to do right now for me for this to come up and out. And as it comes up and out, we allow the self-revelation, the mysticism, our capacity to transform what is in that moment and still offer a hand. Mm -hmm. I think we have to arrive at a place where we're able to care for the other the ways that we would care for ourselves. Mm -hmm. That is the common denominator in every major ancient tradition Mm -hmm. it's compassion is the common denominator Mm -hmm. if you're not caring for other people as a way to care for yourself then you're missing the plot service is the gateway to god Mm -hmm. go to every religion Mm -hmm. honey Mm -hmm. literally and i went on a fucking rant there but i was i think it was necessary it
0: was a good one (laughs) we've been like Um, we're like grief and we're like fucking boundaries like whatever compassion is also the choice Empathy could be unconscious, you know, like it's kind of what happens naturally among humans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Compassion's like, I'm going to choose.
2: Oh, shit, that's so... You know, it's, it's
0: active. There's such a difference with so many things where it's like, what can you choose to do or be or engage in? And sometimes you might not be able to that's engage bad. in it. That's, that's fine. Bad. You might not have the capacity, but that's a whole thing.
1: Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app. Um, superhuman. Three zero pod a thirty pod for ten percent off.
0: I do want to talk a little bit about the grief because I know that's so present for you. Yeah. What is something that you've learned about grief that you didn't expect? I
2: think the main thing is that we're always grieving, mm-hmm. right? Because life is a losing game, mm-hmm. so we're always at a loss, mm-hmm. right? I think grief has opened me up to the paradox if life is a losing game, if pain is inevitable, if all this fucked up stuff is going to happen, mm-hmm. our moms will die. Yeah. Like, wow, that's crazy. My mom is not going to call me back. Mm-hmm. She's not going to surprise me mm-hmm. in a trip to LA or to wherever I am. She's not going to answer my FaceTime when I really want. She's just not at a retreat that mm-hmm. she's busy. She's not on a vacation that she's going to come back. And it's really hard actually embodying that truth that there is no, the communication in the ways that I have formerly been trained and conditioned to have with her will never happen again. Yeah. So now I have to open myself up to a whole new way of communication. But to go back to the point that I was formulating here, it's like to live with the severity and the profundity of the grief that I have now before everyone in the varying degrees of grief It allows us to be in paradox, which I think it's something that our society doesn't have. I can be miserable and also... Yeah. I can be grieving and also see beauty. Mm -hmm. And that's something I I shared. My mom is in a coffin, right? And the funeral is taking place and I'm completely disoriented. Yeah. I've had my friend... Carrying me throughout the whole process because I was dizzy. I was literally dizzy, dizzy. And people's voices were echoing. Wow. I was like having moments of derealization and depersonalization and dissociation. Mm-hmm. I was like experiencing these psychological impairments to such a degree while the funeral was taking place. Simultaneously, people were telling me how my mom's love and presence mm-hmm. brought warmth into their life. Wow. Brought air. Yeah. and kindness into their life. Mm-hmm. So I'm navigating being completely out of my body, feeling really unwell in my body, having all these really dark thoughts like, oh my God, I think I'm going to stay like this for the rest of my life yeah, I'm losing my mind. Oh my goodness. yeah. Why I'm still, I can still touch grace. Mm-hmm. I can still touch, mm-hmm. I can still experience love. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at my mom in the coffin and all these massive flower arrangements that everyone bought. Do see beauty? I could still see the sunlight coming in through the window and still kissing her face. Although she's dead and I scolded in that coffin, mm-hmm. but it was still, there was still beauty in it. There's still an undeniable beauty that was happening. Am I always aware that beauty's always around? No. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the grief overpowers the yeah my life and then I'm Fully lost in the despair. And I go into the edge of suicidal ideation. Yeah. And then I catch myself. I always know if I'm not in my body, if I can't see beauty. That's a really good barometer for people who are listening to. If you're not in your body, you can't see beauty. Mm -hmm. If you are in your body, you will always be able to see some degree of beauty. Even in the most horrific places. Even if you Mm -hmm. are in a hospital. Even if you are crossing a river into your place of refuge that you're running away from your country whatever I'm thinking about people who are currently having to migrate because of all the things that are happening around the world there's still beauty everywhere and that's grace and that's Mm -hmm. the beauty of being in your body and also I think one thing that our society does not do is support people to fall apart and grief has been the What did it call like the green light for me to truly fall apart in an entire new way?
0: Yeah, I think people would be surprised to hear that. Yeah. Because I think you're someone that is what I perceive as like very good at allowing yourself to be where you are at. That's right. So, what's the difference between how you were before and falling apart and how you are now?
2: Great question. I think it's related to war Uh and just saying no to everything.
0: Got it. Okay. And
2: like Mm -hmm. not doing showing up and doing yeah. the things and performing. Oh a hundred percent. No, I just was like, I can't. I mm-hmm. have nothing. I can't do it. My whole body was inflamed, dear. Mm. My entire body was so inflamed that getting up to go to the bathroom was like I would hold my pee for so long. That's like a really interesting neighborhood yeah. to think. My body was so inflamed the week and the month after my mom's death that I would hold my pee until I couldn't anymore because I didn't want to get up and do our little anxiety pees that we do throughout the day that we pee like way too many fucking times. Literally just like, (laughs) like, bitch, I didn't fucking
0: need but I just did. Whenever I go before an interview, I'm like anxious. I'm like, I just peed for like one second. I'm like, I have to go. That's right.
2: But that's the thing. It's like then when you are in that deep place of pain, you stretch yourself in ways that you learn about yourself. But the point is I was so inflamed that I didn't even have the energy to go pee. I was craving only the most unhealthy food. Yeah. Thank God I'm, f- I'm about to be six years sober because all I wanted, to, I was yeah. seeing people like, we were at my grandma's house and so many people were coming to visit the house and everyone's drinking. And yeah. Everybody's like, no, no, no. And I was like, oh shit, maybe I do want to have a fucking drink. But I, was yeah. like, I don't need it. I'd rather just like, you know, be here and just like experience this deep pain right now. And I'll go and I'll eat some sugary shit to help mm-hmm. me like lift my mood a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, The grief, the main thing that's taught me, it's like, it's okay to fall apart. And we have to create systems in our society that are supporting people to fall apart gracefully and appreciate people falling apart. You know, I was telling my students at the Somatic Activated Healing Teacher Training, I said, I wish I had a farm for people to come and fall apart. Mm -hmm. If they had some deep grief that they were processing or some huge trauma, whatever it may be, if people needed an opportunity to fall apart and have their meals taken care of, had their bedroom yeah. cleaned, their bed made, and their showers, whatever, mm-hmm. all the the necessary things, but they had an opportunity to just come and fall apart mm-hmm. and like not be asked anything of them. I think falling apart, having the people around us that support us to fall apart, without a time frame yeah. in our capitalistic society, we have a couple weeks to fall apart, mm-hmm. and some corporate spaces it's you have a week to like your mom died back to work Oh yeah. seven days you're back Mm -hmm. to work like nothing happened and you have to sort of go back and perform it's like we don't have a society that supports people falling apart and picking themselves back up and putting themselves back together in a new way and also the paradox Mm -hmm. i think just opening ourselves up to see life through a paradoxical lens i think it's something that we don't have yeah we can't see someone's problematic behavior yeah. separate from their, themselves. Yep. We are always merging mm-hmm. all into one. We're mm-hmm. not seeing people as a process of multiple mm-hmm. parts coming together or seeing someone as one solid fixed thing. Yeah. So I think grief opened me up to, to just see like nuance in everything yes. and to see everything as a layered, complicated process. And that's just what it yeah. is, you know, and not wanting it to be what it's not.
0: yeah. I think in just a different type of grief, I've realized that a lot of times I don't have anything to say. And I would realize that in other situations, I would just kind of talk and talk and talk and be like, oh, this is how I feel and just like be in the mind. And I'm like, actually, I just feel. I don't have anything to say. There's nothing really to process. There's no, nothing anyone can say to me. I'm just feeling something. And that's a new experience for me because usually I would try and process with people. I'd try and I'm always like, in that connection with people. And it's been really beautiful to just trust myself enough to be like, oh, okay, we're just gonna feel. Yeah. We're not gonna ask why. We're not gonna try and figure out what it is. Yeah. Like in the morning, I've been crying in the morning a good amount when I listen to gospels. And I'll just be crying and I'm just like, I'm so grateful that I have the tools now to understand and just let myself cry and not be like, why are you crying? Mm. What was that about? Mm. Oh, I saw this thing that reminded me of this thing. And that's, Mm. and just like, because then I'm out of the heart again and I'm back in the mind, Mm. trying to understand and intellectualize and just be like, have the story about it and all those things. So in your feeling, and I guess with people falling apart. I think people have a lot of fear around falling apart because they're afraid of others. Others will judge them. Others will leave them. Others will run away. And they're probably also afraid they're never going to put themselves back together or get back up. Mm -hmm. What would you say to people who are in the process of grief or want to have the experience of just being able to just fully let it all go?
2: Great question. And I also just want to say, stop pathologizing your every feeling. Stop asking wrongly. I love that so much. Drop the story, be with your feelings. Yes. I've, you know, like that super viral video I created a while back. I think people are starting to understand that if they keep intellectualizing, always asking, why do I feel this way? Why is this happening? Why, 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 why? You're, it's what you said. I love that. You're out of the heart and you're back in the mind. Yeah. You're back in your head, which means you're, you're always seeking something to blame for how you feel. Can it just fucking be something that's visiting you because you have invited in, you know? Can it just be a visitor that you have sent an invitation that you don't even remember when you fucking wrote that letter Mm -hmm. to invite them over and now here it is showing up? Can you meet that feeling Mm -hmm. like a visitor that's coming here, you know, and has a message for Mm -hmm. you? Because when
0: I have understood it, before I felt it, I try and move on. Like even in therapy, there was an experience I had where I explained it to her. I'm like, I saw this thing and I went through this thing and I felt really erased. And I kind of explained, and she's like, hold on. Let's be with the part of you that feels erased. And I was like, fucking just bawling. And I was like, I'm so grateful that I had that press and that probe because I understood it, but I completely bypassed the feeling of it and the part of me that really felt it. And I think. What's so hard about our space is that everyone intellectualizes everything and we're all on the internet just looking at the quotes and the memes and like the slider graphics and all the things and we're understanding everything, but we're not actually embodying it.
2: There's no somatic understanding of it. I always say that healing only happens in the body. It's like there's no way for you to think your way out of your suffering. You can maybe come up with a new little concept that will like help you to get through the next few days by talking your way out of how you feel. But the feelings that are not matter or processed, it will come knocking at your door again, honey. I think one massive thing that we are forgetting is that healing is the process of removing the emotional charge of our memories. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we're kind of like overcomplicating it, but it's truly that simple. And the way for you to remove the emotional charge of your, of your memories is through the body because the feelings are felt in the body. And the work of somatic transformation of, it, it happens where therapy ends. Where, for instance, in therapy, we're talking about what's going on and we're talking, we're getting feedback and we're getting a different perspective and coaching and all this stuff. There's a lot of talking, talking. But what happens a lot of times, people are walking out of therapy or walking out of a coaching session that doesn't have somatic or a body-based practice involved, and they're left with these big feelings. And the big feelings are going to, if you're not stopping the momentum or being with them, they're going to call forth stories. And then those stories are going to call forth words, and those words are going to call forth actions. And you're just literally recreating the same suffering patterns that your mother has done, your father, your grandparents, da 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 da, da, da. The only way for you to truly, like, transform is for you to meet every feeling when it arises. That's what healing is about. People want it to be more complicated. Mm -hmm. People want it to be more esoteric Mm -hmm. and more... What can I buy? Yeah, -hmm. exactly. But Mm -hmm. it's really not. It's just, like, meet every feeling in the body as it arises. And before the feelings claim a story or before the feelings get tangled with the story... Be with them, breathe with them, let them come up and out. And it's in that process, you're going to have revelations. And it's through those revelations that your memories no longer have emotional charge. You want to know if something has healed? Walk through Whole Foods at Tuesday at 2 p.m. And that memory that would flood your mind around that kind of a time in that afternoon period. And then that memory comes up and passes by your mind stream, just like any other thoughts that's when you know that you have healed. And a lot of the work that we're doing in the Somatic Activated Healing Method is inviting people to drop all the stories and be with the feelings in their bodies and what that looks like. Literally, wherever in your body you feel the feeling, go there. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know where it is in my body. Mm -hmm. Then slowly you're going to find your way back into your body where you can come to that place in your body where you feel the feelings And then a simple practice you can do is, okay, I feel it here. What's the color? What's the texture? Does he have a shape? Does he have a smell? Try to give it as much language as Mm -hmm. you can. And through that process, you're coming back into your body. Even by working through the process, I'm guiding you through, you're already coming into your body. And then what's going to happen is by bringing your awareness to the place in your body, awareness itself has a quality of warmth. What happens when things are... With warmth, changes right. Mm-hmm. Fire changes things. Warmth in a pile of compost, mm-hmm. yeah. Warmth is an chemical quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you put warm right on the... your
0: belly, exactly.
2: For me, it's usually like left or chest. Oh. You know, sometimes it's that back of my neck. Mm-hmm. Bring your awareness there. Awareness of the quality of warmth. Everything changes in the face of warmth. And then by being with it, you're gonna notice that it will change. I'm not saying that it will come up and out and will change for the better. No but something will happen yeah. you know? you. and that's something that will happen is in that process of you meeting any feeling that comes to your body. When it comes right in that moment, the charge that you have with the traumatic members will start to dissolve. It's not that you have to say, I want to heal this thing that happened to me at that age. And yeah, you can work on that sort of specific direction, but it doesn't have to work that way. Mm-hmm. If you're meeting the anger and the despair and the hopelessness mm-hmm. and the guilt and the shame and the blame in your body as it arises, regardless if the feeling came up and it has nothing to do with what's happening in the outer world, I think a lot of people think that it's necessary that you're healing that one memory, that one yes, trauma, that one pain point. Because that's the story. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's not how it is. Oh, my God. I you know. know you don't it's actually wild. It.
2: Yeah. And
0: then what? actually I've had that happen where I have the idea of the one memory, the one thing, and then I have the actual true memory. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's silly. This is intense enough yeah. and this has been qualified by others as traumatic Ooh. yes Ooh. so i'll be like oh yeah that's this would be capital t based on this so yeah. you should focus on this but then that's my right. something will come up where actually it was just you in the car and they said this thing and you're like what that's, no no
2: that's right that's so huge i yeah. love that it's like it's been categorized by others as yeah as capital t yeah so focus on that right yep But the thing about it is, it's like we don't have to go to specific stories to heal the specific feelings. You're being visited by shame and guilt and hopelessness and despair and all the things that you don't like about yourself. You're being met with them regularly. Mm -hmm. They're coming to visit you when your barista doesn't make your cappuccino hot enough. It's coming up for you right there. When you're driving and... Your partner wants the windows down, but you want the AC. It's showing up there. So there's no need to call forth capital T memory to work with the capital T qualified feelings. No, it's just meet what's coming up as it's coming up and then notice how it starts to change. All of a sudden, something beautiful will happen. You're going to look at yourself in the mirror and you're going to have that moment of self-reflection where that memory that we have deemed as like the worst, Mm -hmm. that pain point in our lives as the worst, it will visit you and it won't have an emotional charge. Your body won't go rigid, inflamed. Your mind won't go into that really dark, sticky place. It's just going to come up and pass by. And that is what the path is about. And then, of course, there's all these wild things that come up from there. But I think we are in a world that people are just trying to feel good. And instead of realizing that liberation isn't about feeling good or peak experiences or orgasm experience or ecstatic experiences or beauty or I want to hear nice things, taste nice things, see nice things. It's like there's this insatiable desire to always be going from one thing to the next to make me feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. That's not liberation. Mm -hmm. That's not what I teach. It's not what you teach. You know what I mean? It's It's like addiction.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think, a lot about because we're so addicted to dopamine from our phones and from our food and from all of these things, it's now translating to our life where we're looking for the dopamine and everything. Even like you'll look at modern dating, it's like Mm -hmm. people are just looking for these things from other people and it's like, next, 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 all of it's like that hungry ghost. That's right. That we all have, which is so, so wild.
1: right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code ALMOST30. 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code ALMOST30 for 20% off site-wide.
0: I love what you said earlier about the therapy thing because I thought about that a lot. Being in therapy. And mine does somatic work, but it still is that feeling of Western culture where it's like mind, mind, mind. And we're so out of the body in the West. And I feel like people are just sitting in front of their computers. They're sitting in the car. They're not moving. They're not in their bodies. They're not feeling what it's like. Mm. Do you find that people are scared to be in their bodies? Or what do you think the resistance is?
2: Oh my God, a hundred percent. People are scared of being in their bodies. Yes, they're terrified to yes. be in their bodies because if you are in your body, what's going to happen? Mm. You're going to have to feel. Yeah and people don't want to feel yeah people are afraid of feeling and we also need to think about all the things that we're under the influence of Mm -hmm. that have created a life of splitting a life of running away from the body a life of multitasking a life of overdoing a life of running late you know like (laughs) all the things that i still do some of them as a ways to keep myself addicted to suffering yes the
0: Adrenaline. That's right. Dude, I have a friend. She's like that. And I'm like, I swear to you're not even you were early. I think she is late because she's addicted to that adrenaline in that story where it keeps her in that like heightened mode. And yeah. we're all addicted to these chemicals. Mm. Something that you've done too is that I also do is I'm sober. And I'm not sober. I didn't have a problem. I don't know what we'll call if what qualifies a problem. But being sober has been really powerful because it has helped me be more in the body. Really, when I was drinking, it was like I'm hanging yeah. out here. It's a hovering life. It's I mean. hovering. You don't even, <laughs> no one is home. You see me and no one is home. That's right. <laughs> it like, and oh I would my see my God, friends too. And you're like, ah,
1: yeah. oh, we're all there? out to lunch. Yeah.
0: And it would almost be time travel because mm-hmm. you drink, you don't know what happened. The night's over in the morning. You're talking about it. Yeah. How has sobriety helped your healing process?
2: Oh my God. Massively. Are you an AA? No, I didn't. Do, okay, just, I didn't do any program. Okay. I was invited into that by one of my teachers. It was one week in May in 2017. And I had to like speak at this huge conference at this big corporate place at this thing at that thing. It was just like all these massive mm-hmm. things in all in one week. And at that point, I was like drinking a glass of wine every few days. I was smoking a joint every night. I was maybe doing a little MDMA on the mm-hmm. weekend, maybe a little, speaking
0: you my know, like a
2: little mushrooms here yes. and there. I was like conscious about it. Uh-huh. I had already been to it very young <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I was in New York. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I had already been to India like six times. So I was like very conscious in that approach. And then I was talking to one of my mentors and she said, look, if you teach any of these people From a place of even if it's a slight just a little bit of a fog in your words and they take your advice and they practice what you told them to do and because you're fogged their approach to their practice is fogged and they're creating more fog in the world you don't want that karma girl
0: wow oh
2: shit okay and it was just like i heard those words and i never went back yeah i never went back yeah but look i have had a problem i smoked Mm -hmm. crack when i was 14. Wow. I have done pretty much everything under the sun. But in 2012, when I left the fashion industry and I had my first big level awakening through a massive rock bottom, and I started to cut back, cut back, cut back, cut back. But the thing that was always a culprit for me that was always like sneak up, it was like,
0: have a beer, smoke a joy, it's fine. I find here is way easier. Being in New York, not being on substances was... How? How? (laughs) How? Exactly. I remember being there, being like, I love it. And I'm like, I love this place. Exactly. It cracked exactly. out. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. When uh, was the rock bottom? It was on November 22nd, 2012.
0: How do you remember the day?
2: I was bought out of the company that I had started with two friends. Wow. So massive
1: Behind heartbreak. your
2: back? Mm-hmm. Wow. It was a massive heartbreak. It was something that I overheard through the fucking window. Like, it doesn't make sense how I heard the thing. So I was like, oh, shit. And the heartbreak of that was so massive. And it just kept compounding because I really wanted to stay in fashion. I really wanted to keep working in fashion. I thought I had it all figured out. I was 24. Yeah, I but... was on Forbes. I was, it was like young creative director. I was like doing this, all these celebrities, all this. I, little, I was like doing all kinds of crazy epic shit. So I thought I had it sorted. Wow. And then when that happened, I still was like, okay, cool. I can leave this magazine. I can find another job in the fashion industry. And I kept reaching out, reaching out, reaching out to people. And no, 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 no. The only interview that I got was to become the creative director of Nasty Gal. Mm -hmm. And full circle, I have come to meet Sophia and have come to, like, guide her in meditation, which has been, like, an amazing thing that we've, that I was like, and I told her that. And it was like so crazy, like full circle coming together, but I ended up not being qualified for the job or whatever. Anyways, didn't happen, but that propelled me to start seeking. And the first Mm -hmm. question I remember putting on Google was like, what does it mean to be happy? What is happiness? How do I heal depression? How do I heal addiction? You know, I just started like looking at the things and being Mm like, why do I, why can I not sleep at night? Like, why? Is my mind always active with really negative things? I start to question things and that's what kind of like opened me up Mm -hmm. to, to then go to India and start the process of really getting to know myself.
0: And with that shift in identity, you lost friends. Mm -hmm. What was that like?
2: Awful. Yeah. Awful. It was so awful that I, I left New York Mm -hmm. and I moved to Florida. Mm. and I was Florida is a place that I said I'm never going back there
0: <laughs> No, was...
2: I'm never going there and I of course are you I'm, from Florida no I mean I are you from Brazil Brazil but, but did you live there I lived in Florida okay. uh, we moved from Brazil to Florida got it okay. so Florida is like my um, American home I exactly think. yeah but no fuck that but yes that's, that's where we went so I think that's a huge thing that I see out in the world yeah not in the spiritual community so much but kind of It's people are unwilling to let People and them and parts of themselves fall away. Fall like yes. Oh we're my gosh. Of being alone.
0: That's why I see actually so much. And that was the thing that I really struggled with. I remember when I first moved from New York. I lived in New York for a little bit to L.A. Just feeling so much shame because I was like, I should have the same four best friends as I did when I was ten. Especially as a woman, I'm like, okay, we're supposed to have the same four best friends for my whole life, and we're supposed to go through every chapter together. Mm-hmm. And feeling like I was bad because I had various friendships over my life and various different seasons and when I started loosening the grip on my relationships was when I could actually have true relationships because so many of them I was like I'm holding on because I feel like I'm bad if we're not best friends I feel like if everyone sees that we're not going to be friends they're going to think I'm Mm -hmm. this person they're going to think I'm this person and I wasn't in true relationships with people that were aligned with me at the moment. And now I'm just so much more fluid about my friendships. It's like, if I have me all the time, I actually don't need, you know, because before I'm like, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need everyone mm-hmm. to hold me down. And now that I'm with me, I could have more fluidity. Oh, you're showing up for me right now. I'm going to love you because you're, show- you're showing up for me right now. I can be more with it. But People do hold on to relationships for a long time. And I think especially when you have a huge identity shift, it can be scary to lose your identity, your job, your career, your home, and then your friends.
1: That's a lot.
2: It's terrifying. And also, it is unfortunately a prerequisite yeah. for liberation. Yeah, yeah. I can't, like, let people not hear the truth. How many times have we died in our path of Mm -hmm. of liberation? Yep. And shit, as far as I'm concerned, I died this morning once, you know? Mm -hmm. There is the same way you're seeking friends who are in the spiritual path. They're out there. Be where you want to be found. Yeah. Stop going to happy hour hoping to be happy. Yeah. Stop going to happy hour hoping to meet friends. Yeah. Don't do the same things hoping for a different outcome. Yeah. Do something completely different and that's where a new outcome will come. Yeah. And also, like, it's really important for us to see, like, what I spoke about beauty earlier. spoke about, like, capacity. Like, when you're in your body, you see opportunity. When you are in your body, you see beauty. So if you're not in your body, if you're in your mind, you can go to the meditation studio. You can come to one of our Mm -hmm. events. You can go wherever. And you're not going to see opportunity because you're locked up in your mind. Mm -hmm. It will be hard to be in your body. And I say to people all the time, it can be excruciating to be present. It is a full-time job to track, am I in the future, am I in the past, am I storifying, am I efforting, am I conceptualizing, or am I in my body? It's a really radical choice because you're not interpreting life through your conditioning. You're interpreting life through the whispers of Mm -hmm. silence. Mm -hmm. And that's a very foreign approach to life. We don't know how to do it, but we don't know how to do it. I say that, but I also say we forgot how to do it because that's the natural way of doing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And in your rock bottom, you mentioned searching. How do I be happy? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like now with what you know, that's a feeling that you seek to be? Like, what is the state you seek to be at? Open. Yeah.
2: Just open. I think just live in a paradoxical state. Like, I can be with this and that. Not mm-hmm. this or that. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping to. That's what I practice. It's being with this and that. And I also practice being in a state of non-duality. Yeah. Where I am just meeting things for what they are and seeing even really hard things and really challenging things for what they are, not like my colonized, indoctrinated, poisoned perception Mm. that's fully myopic, Mm self-intoxicating about who people are and what the world is and whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I really try to remember that the more I think I know, the more I am lost. And that's a really hard truth because our entire process, and now especially in the spiritual wellness space, People are going from this book to this podcast, to this Instagram post, to this thing. They're they're such accumulators of information and they could speak the mystical mumbo jumbo, but there's no lived experience. And and one thing that I seek now is to like come into a place where my presence alone invites people to be, invites people to fall apart. My presence alone invites people to feel safe. And I feel like it's crazy because something happens. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure you can relate. There's a big sign on her face. Tell me all your deep, darkest secrets. Yes. I can handle anything. Yes. Nothing is unforgivable to yes. me. I can handle anything. Yes. I won't ever judge you. And that's what this presence mm-hmm. emanates. That's mm-hmm. the quality that I want. It's more of that. It's just want to be open. Mm-hmm. When I want to create a trail of, of warmth and inspiration for people, I want to be able to, this is very inspirational and this is very like, goal-oriented, and that's, you can have a texture of capitalism in this statement, but being at my mom's funeral and hearing over 200 people say to me, my brother, my sister, your mom really would have been Biden. If I could have that in my deathbed. How, I how is
0: that capitalistic?
2: Because it, unless this happens, unless I have the specific goal, unless this specific outcome happens, it. Okay. It, it's so, capitalism says, unless this specific thing happens, yeah it's not good enough. So I don't want that. Okay, I okay. want something that's more nuanced, more open, Got more it. relaxed. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to like arrive in my deathbed and have people say, hey, Sa really inspired me. Yeah. I felt safe in his presence. Yeah. I, felt, I felt taken care of. I felt yeah. special. These are my mm-hmm. kind of aspirational goals. But the word goals isn't really meant to be part of this vocabulary. It's more like, These are the things that I'm trying to uncover within myself. Remember, because these are our natural things we just forgot.
0: It's funny because your desire is like your essence, like all those things are your essence. Exactly, it's so cute. Like it's so adorable when people are like, "I want to be this," and you're like, "That's what you are." Yeah, they like they crave that natural part of them. Just something on the colonization, like that making you have that myopic view. Like, what's your journey been like with that sort of the truth of it, and then also the way that you had felt or the way have you had viewed it. And how has that changed for you? That experience of that perspective. I think White I, woman asking. What, yeah, no, <laughs> Thank you for that question.
2: And I think look, it has to do with like many layers of what we're under the influence of. So I'm under the influence of a score about the adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. So if the listener, if you've never heard of it, mm-hmm. go check that shit out. Mm-hmm. So my mom had an ACE score of nine. Mm-hmm. There's ten questions. So you get the depth of her mm-hmm. of her excruciating trauma.
0: Yeah, so each of the questions is like a question that would relate to a specific trauma. You could have a score out of ten. So the higher you score, the more traumatic your childhood was. Exactly.
2: What they figured out with the ACE score is that trauma, childhood trauma leads to psychological, and physiological impairments. Yeah, and it's, physical,
1: probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: psychological, physical, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So the study has shown that people who were depressed, anxious, suicidal, addicted, heart, heart conditions, cancer, blah, 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 the list goes on, no, 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 of all kinds of autoimmune disease, all the things, it could be tied back to how traumatic your childhood was. So I'm just saying that because you asked, like, of how do my view change? so there, I need to build up a little bit of the context about it. It's like, okay, so I'm under the influence of, I'm only speaking about my mom's trauma. Now let's go to my grandmother, my mom's mom. Mm -hmm. My grandmother took her own life when my mom was only in 11 years.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: And she had a son who was brown skin and from her first marriage. And she married my grandfather, who was unfortunately racist. And they kept this Mm -hmm. young son out of the pictures, out of the gatherings, out of the community, out of the family, because his skin Mm -hmm. didn't match what they thought was okay, Mm -hmm. right? Or whatever the fuck. So this guy, Orlando, died when he was 28 years old. The son. The son. How did he die? Of a skin disease. You're so kidding me. Yeah, I swear to God. So, I'm finding out so much after my mom's death of wow. like uncovering what's in my lineage is in me. Yeah, yeah. And my commitment to heal my lineage through my body has become so alive and like something that I, you're going to hear me talk about this on post after post. Yeah. And if you look in between the caps of this, it's always there somewhere. Yeah. Healing my lineage through my body is like a yeah. mission that we're here to do. Yeah. And then you start to look at my family tree and you start to understand suicide addiction it's so colorful it's just there's so much there and what's in them is now living in me because we know the trauma lingers through chemistry Mm -hmm. therefore i got Mm -hmm. a lot of shit that i'm under Mm -hmm. influence of okay so we can look at it from that perspective right one side now look at my own a score of what i've lived through the things that the experience that i've had as as a child then you also add that in so i'm under influence of my family Mm -hmm. tree i'm under influence of what i lived in this life and now If you want to take a little more to the esoteric side in Buddhism, we believe that we are the sum of all of our past lives, that the process of all these different parts that come to be that that we are labeling Sa right now has come to be because of all the consequences of all my past Mm -hmm. actions in my past lives. We realize, holy shit, there's so much unprocessed trauma, there's so much unprocessed pain and violence and and a lot of disturbing stuff so you may look at your only your A score meaning just what happened in this life you may look at your parents A score and look into your family tree whatever or you can look at your past life so I'm giving you three ways Mm -hmm. three layers to understand all the things that that you are under the influence of what's coming up for me it's like the process of my own liberation and my own transformation my own awakening has like really like opened me up to realize like, wow, I'm under the influence of a lot of violence. And the thing with violence, which is interesting, it's not creative, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not new. It's just very repetitive. It's like Mm -hmm. regurgitated. It's very much like the things that happened for my grandmother and her husband and her first husband and her son and things happened between my mom and my dad and da-da-da-da. I am living out the same exact bullshit, but I get to call it quits. I get to be the curse breaker. I get to be the one to say enough. And it's not necessary They you have to go into their stories. You can just meet those feelings in your body. Now, hearing the story from my grandmother, my mom, and all this stuff, you realize there's so much pain, so much guilt, so much shame. And these are the two biggest things that I experienced. I felt that I, when I had my big awakening in Nepal during a 30-day silent retreat, what came up for me there was I have always felt that I was fundamentally flawed, mm-hmm. that I was fundamentally broken, that I was fundamentally a bad person. And if I'm bad, then I should be punished, right? Mm-hmm. And and I could punish myself enough to become good. Mm-hmm. And that's what the industrial prison mm-hmm. the, you know.
0: And a lot of Catholicism, Christianity, yeah. like Oh my god, a lot of the, ar- the
2: original sin. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. We all have a lot a lot of that, I feel like.
2: And then look at our prison system. Yeah. Look at our punitive justice system. Yeah. The more we punish someone, the more they're going to become good. If they're good, we let them back in. Yeah. And that is just flawed, faulty, a lie. Mm -hmm. It's not the pathway to God, liberation, the Mm -hmm. Buddha, enlightenment, nirvana, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Mm -hmm. It's not. The path to it is restoration. Mm -hmm. So my own restoration process started with realizing that the shame that my mom, my grandmother, my past lives that I experienced in this life, all of it is something that's available to me right here, right now for me to feel and be with it. So the transformation is happening as, as I'm driving to fucking Air One to get an overpriced fucking smoothie. Mm. That's when it happens. And I could like be with it before I drink the sweetness of the smoothie because that's going to change my state. Yeah. Or I can stay in my car, be with that feeling say thank you for visiting me mm-hmm. you're a visitor from the beyond right as the queer mystic Rumi has said that the poem that i'm that i'm paraphrasing is called the guest house read it mm-hmm. like everyone go go look into it. it's mm-hmm. profound but i can be with that feeling in the car before i go in there to down that sweet smoothie and i can be with the feeling and one affirmation that i always say to people is like i face you or recognize you and I allow you to pass through me and over me. Mm-hmm. I allow you to pass through me and over me. Mm-hmm. And bringing the warmth of your awareness to so that feeling. And then bringing in the mind style of approaching with words, right? So the affirmation. Like half i was gonna five times out of ten you're going to get a transformation Mm -hmm. a little glimpse of something changing inside of you Mm -hmm. and then half the smoothie to celebrate that you did the fucking Mm -hmm. work Mm -hmm. not the other way around honey yeah you want to smoke a cigarette be with the feeling first yes then you smoke the fucking cigarette you know but don't do it before
0: and i'll do that with food where i'm like okay i'm feeling something and but it's the consciousness that's able to break and give you the moments between where you're like okay feel the thing and When I was in the darkness, which we'll talk about on your show, was like that having food there, it wasn't fasted or anything, was like so important in the grieving because it was the grieving, the feeling, the emotion. And then it's like the nourishment of the body, like the comfort, like the warm soup, like the actual physical act of like nourishing and loving my body after I'd done all of that work is so important.
2: Yes, absolutely. And then here's just a simple little thing for people to think about too. If I don't want to recreate the trail of suffering that has been perpetuated and poisoned in my family tree if you want to start breaking that it's as simple as before you drink the smoothie and you feel the big feeling be with the feelings and then drink it the- yeah if you drink the smoothie to change your state what happens the cycle of suffering that's been poisoned yeah. in your family tree will continue to live on
0: yeah and i mean the food sugar will change your brain state so you're not going to feel it anyway yes. but yeah it's so easy in those moments and i think a lot of people are afraid to get over that hump of, whoa, because there is like a precipice where you're like, is this ever going to end? Oh my God, I'm so scared. I yep. think for me, when I have that come, it's like, I need someone. Like what I thought before I've done more work was like, I thought I needed someone right away. But oftentimes if I would need someone that soothing component of that connection, that would often stop me from actually feeling because you like talk to someone or something then you're in the mind again. And then you're like distracted, distracted, out of the body. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful yes. to
2: be out of the body and yes. be funny. Everyone. Yes, it's, yes, like yes. It's so soothing.
0: yeah Yeah. Wow. So if you were to talk to yourself before your mother had passed, before you had known about any of this, what would you say?
2: It's gonna be okay. And don't be afraid of things being okay. I think that's a huge thing. It's like we realize when we start doing this work that life changes. And then we have an okayness about life and then we start to be scared of, it. am I doing something wrong? Am I not doing enough? So I'm in the process of, no right now, because right now I'm activated, energized, energized, I'm so inspired by talking to mm-hmm. you. I'm like, damn, this is great. Ew. But mostly what's arriving for me now, it's like being okay with being okay, being mm-hmm. okay with being okay. It's like stop being scared when things are of mm-hmm. questioning. Oh one my God. That's like, okay. huge. Think that's a huge thing that I was always like, I must be doing something wrong. Yeah. Something is missing. What am I not seeing? What yeah, am I not yeah, doing? Yeah. I feel like one thing that I would tell myself that thanks for that question, it's like worrying is not your identity. Yeah. And that is huge because I feel like we build our identities around our worry. And then if we're not worried, who are we? Or do we even exist? And then you open yourself up to interconnectedness, to the central mind, to unity consciousness. You realize you go into the more, the more esoteric, mystical states and of awakening. But first, you got to sort of decolonize your desperation and addiction to worrying. Hmm. And then once you do that, and I'm saying once you do that, I'm fucking telling myself yeah. that shit. Once we do that. Once we do that, then we can arrive at a place of just being settling into it's okay. The things are okay right now. Yeah. And every season will change. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Beautiful. It has been so much fun. You just went in. Yeah. Thank, thank you for coming. Oh my god. I'm thank so grateful you. I got you in this portal yeah, moment too. You. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to share this with our audience. So wow. thank you. Love you guys. Thank you so much, Saw. Again, that was Saw de Simone. It's S A H D
1: S I M O N E. And if you are new to Almost 30, you got a whole catalog of episodes. So please, please take your time, intuitively peruse the catalog, go to almost30.com. You can learn more about Krista and myself and our story, the community, and you can join us in membership, which is a place where Krista and I get to really deeply and intimately connect with you every single month in workshops and live hangs. And we have resources for you really to support you in your growth where you are. And it's a place you'll have a lot of fun. So check it out. Almost 30.com. Almost 30 podcast on Instagram. Almost 30 podcast on TikTok, baby.
0: We love you. Thank you for being a part of our lives. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.